May your kindness, O Lord, be upon us, who have put our hope in you. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. In aquel tiempo, miles y miles de personas se agolpaban. Jesús empezó a hablar, diriéndose primero a sus discípulos, Cuidado con la levedura de los fariseos, que es la hipocresía, pues nada hay cubierto, cubierto que no llegue a descubrirse, ni nada escondido que no llegue a saberse. Por eso, lo que digáis en la oscuridad será oído a la plena luz, y lo que digáis el oído en las Recamarás, se pregonará desde la azotea. A vosotros os digo, amigos míos, no tengáis miedo a los que matan el cuerpo y después de esto no puedan hacer más. Os voy a enseñar a quien tenéis que temer. Temer el que, después de la muerte, tiene poder para ahorrar a la viejena. A ese tenéis que temer, os lo digo y yo. No se venden cinco parros por dos centimos, pues ni de uno solo de ellos olvida Dios. Mas aún hasta los cabellos de nuestra cabeza están contados. No tengáis miedo, veréis más muchos parros. At that time, there were so many people crowding together that they were beginning to trample one another underfoot, and so Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. Beware of the leaven that is, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. There is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, no secret that will not be made known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the darkness will be heard in the light, and what you have heard behind closed doors will be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, be not afraid of those who kill the body, but after that can do no more. I shall show you whom to fear. Be afraid of the one who, after killing, has the power to cast into Gehenna. Yes, I tell you, be afraid of that one. Are not five sparrows sold for two coins? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. Even the hairs of your head have been counted. Do not be afraid, for you are worth more than many sparrows. The Gospel of the Lord. Sorry about the wardrobe malfunction. That's what happens when Father rushes too hard before Mass. La intuición moral más, más básica que podemos tener y la base de lo que la iglesia uh, se llama la ley natural es un sentido de justicia. La mayoría de nosotros nos afecta en la, en la guardería o en el uh, 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 the playground. Y generalmente ocurre porque alguien toma algo que creemos que es nuestro. Gritamos en respuesta, esto está mal, no puede sostenerse, es tan injusto. La idea de justicia es simple, dar a cada uno de lo que le corresponde. El principio es este, a las personas se les deban cosas, y si las pri privamos de lo que 
se, se les debe, estamos actuando injustamente, equivocadamente. El niño cree que la pelota es suya. Otro niño lo toma y el primero cree que le han hecho daño. Ahora bien, puede ser que la pelota no sea en realidad la, de, la del primer niño, o que sea una pelota compartida con sus hermanos o compañeros de clase, pero si el niño tiene razón acerca de los datos de la pelota, es irrelevante. Sentirá como si ha sido maltratado, como si hubiera sido agraviado. So, the idea is this. Could one of you push the wall, please? Because they're trying to set up for a party. Thank you. So, the most basic moral intuition any of us have is this. You're in the playground, or in the nursery even, and somebody takes your ball, and you go, that ain't right, my ball. It's that simple. But something's wrong. The idea of justice is real simple. People are owed things, and when you don't give them what they're owed, or when you take away something that is rightly theirs, you've done wrong, right? So it's, it's way before the notion of rights. It's just people are due stuff, and if you don't give them their due, you're being unjust. That's, that's like morally bad. This is absolutely essential to understand what St. Paul is saying in this reading from the letter to the Romans, right? So, so, so he rightly says, a worker's wage is credited not as a gift, but as something else. So if a worker works for you, and you've agreed upon a payment, and you don't pay him, uh, you've not just withheld a gift or done something impolite, it's against justice. You've offended justice by not giving the worker what's his due. But when one does not work, you don't have to pay him, right? The worker is worth his wage. What about the worker who doesn't work and yet believes in the Son of God. Well, you don't have to pay him for that. <laughs> he doesn't have money for it, but it is credited to him, and he's using the language of debit and credit on purpose here. It's credited to him as righteousness. He gets something that he's not due. He doesn't have a right to it. And this is absolutely essential if you want to understand salvation. You don't deserve to be saved. Not one of you. Not one of us. You don't deserve to be saved. You don't deserve God's mercy. If you did deserve it, it ain't mercy. It's something else. And that means that all the things that we get from God, they're all sort of gravy on top. The first and most important act of mercy is creation itself. Why? Because none of us can merit our own existence. You don't exist yet. You literally don't deserve it. So you, you don't deserve to be. That's a gift, which means every good thing you get subsequent to it is a gift on top of gifts. This is why when we sing God's goodness, his praises, especially in the Psalms, in the Psalms, uh, it, it, it's like, it's all hyperbolic, it's all superlative. And at times it can seem like we're kind of a spazzy girlfriend or something. Oh, he's so great. Oh, he's so wonderful. You have to meet this God of mine. He keeps giving me, uh, you know, food and drink and wine and a country that I didn't deserve. This is part of the reason right? They're still fighting over there, to be fair, right? The whole point of that first story is other people were living there. And they were kind of rotten people, which is why God gave the land to the Jews. But, but like, he's trying to show us 
what justice looks like. Because if we don't get justice, we'll never understand his mercy. Por eso, Jesús es tan duro con los fariseos. No le molesta que sean religiosos, ama su piedad y su devoción, pero cuando son piadosos y observantes en la sinagoga o en, en, en la mesa, en sus hogares, pero crueles con las viudas y crueles con los pobres, o se niegan a pagar justamente a sus trabajadores, o maltratar a los refugiados y exilados, y se indigna. Y así sigue estando entre nosotros hoy. Jesús ha redimido toda la experiencia humana, incluidas nuestras pasiones, nuestras emocionadas. Todavía podemos en, enojarnos o entristecernos o lo que sea, pero tenemos que actuar tan consistente como podamos aseguraremos uh, de, de que nuestras acciones coincidan con nuestros pensamientos y nuestras palabras. Y, y si esperamos cosechar el beneficio de lo que Él nos ha dado, algo que podríamos lograr. Posiblemente no lo merezca, pero lo necesito más que nada en el mundo. So this is the reason Jesus is punching down on the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What does leaven do? It makes bread go big. It also makes stuff spoil. So Jesus is not down on the Pharisees because they're pious. You'll hear this sometimes. Oh, you know, the Pharisees, they were the religious ones, and look how bad they got it. They didn't get it bad because they were religious. It was worse that they were mean because they were religious. And they were just flat mean much of the time. They, 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 they would say their prayers and do the right things in church, in the synagogue, and then they go out and be really cruel to widows and orphans, or especially cruel, which is part of the reason Jesus' and St. Paul's message to the Gentiles is so important, they'd be especially cruel to the Gentiles, to the foreigners, to the refugees and the immigrants who found themselves in their own country. And so this is, this is critical for us because we suffer the very same temptation. We can be pious as all get out in here, but if we go out there and sin and sin and sin and sin and sin, it's worse. It would be better not to come to church. <laughs> it would be better not to perform the acts of piety. Not because we all have to have our lives in perfect sync all the time, but because if we get this backwards, it's a kind of a blasphemy. So, so the call then for us tonight is simply, are you guys here for the party? It's, it's, in, it's in the hall. It's over there. So the... So the challenge for us tonight is to do the same, to try and make our insides match our outsides, not to quit the piety or the devotion, but to make sure that the works that we do outside the church, the buenas obras uh, externo, that they match the buenas obras aquí.